Well, good morning. I'm glad to see everybody today. We are beginning, or not beginning, we are continuing our series, Lemons, where last week Alex uh, preached on Abraham and the life of Abraham, the lemons that came about in Abraham's life and how God took those lemons, took that um, bad situation, and God used it for good. God used it um, to, if you will, make lemonade. And so um, Alex talked about how Abraham was called out of his home um, to go to a foreign land that he did not know, and uh, Abraham was what? He was obedient. That when God called Abraham, Abraham stepped out in faith and in obedience to God, and he went where God had called him, as many of us have done in this room, that we have trusted God, um, and we have stepped out in faith to believe and follow God and where he has for us to go. Uh, But then we saw that um, God made a promise with Abraham, as maybe you will remember, that Abraham was going to be the father of many nations, of generations after generations that would bless the world and be a blessing to the world. And so, um, that's all exciting news. Uh, Abraham was 75 years old at that time, did not have kids. His wife was also uh, mature in age, and uh, So it was very unlikely for them to have kids. And so what did we learn last week? We learned that Abraham messed up, that Abraham and Sarah, his wife, took it into their own hands. They did not continue to trust God and be obedient to God. But Abraham actually had a son with Sarah's servant woman, right? It's no bueno. Don't do that, all right? And so um, they had a son named Ishmael and uh, Ishmael was their son, but he was not the promised son that God had given them. He was not the um, promise that they would see the blessings of many generations come from. And so what we see is that, um, and Alex covered last week, um, God was still faithful. God still showed up even though Abraham messed up. Even though Abraham trusted God and followed God, he still struggled, he still stumbled and messed up, and I think many of us can relate to that, that we feel like maybe we have lost um, our qualification with God, that God had called us to live one way, and we have messed up and stumbled in that, and sometimes we can disqualify ourselves, but what we see is that God still used Abraham, he still used his family to bring us Jesus, right, and so that blessing, that promise still came true, even though Abraham messed up his part of the deal. And so what we're going to look at today is kind of the rest of the story of Abraham. Alex um, decided last week on the fly to uh, make this two sermons, um, and then he didn't show up for the second half of it. So I- I'm what you get, okay? Um, we, uh, we're we going to look at the rest of kind of Abraham's story. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so before we get to that, um, I don't know why it is that you are here today. I don't know if it's because church is a routine for your family. I don't know if it's that you believe it's something you need to do that is going to give you right standing with God. I don't know if you came to be equipped or encouraged. Um, If you came to be encouraged, this might not be the sermon that you want to listen to. Um, I believe that you will um, learn and you will be convicted and you will grow, but I don't know if encouragement is uh, exactly how I would describe it. Um, maybe your parents dragged you to church today. I'm not sure, but I hope that every single one of us have come into this place with um, a heart to worship. 
And so whether that's through the music, whether that's through prayer, whether that is through the word and the teaching um, of God's message for us today, um, worship has at its heart an element of sacrifice, right? That worship to its core, at the base level of worship, it is this idea of sacrifice that I am laying down something of myself. That as we sing these songs and we say, Lord, teach me to abide, that doesn't mean teach me to abide so that I can then go live my own life the way that I want to. It means teach me to abide so that I can learn what you would have for me and so that I can live that out in my life. And so from the beginning of the Old Testament, what we see is that for believers, for the nation of Israel, sacrifice was the way that they worshiped. What it would look like, they would go to church, every single one of them would be, bring with them some sort of animal or grain or fragrance. I'm, I don't see anybody bringing animals with them today, and if you did, let's not kill that animal today at church. But in the Old Testament, that was their act of worship. They sacrificed either an animal or a grain or a fragrance offering, and they gave it up to God. The best of what they had, they laid down and said, God, this is yours. I am sacrificing it because of what? Because of my sin. And when we look at sacrifice in the Old Testament, I think so many people nowadays look at um, the God of the Old Testament and think, how mean, how angry was that God? that he caused people to kill animals so that they could worship him. Well, what we need to focus on is that God called them to kill animals, to sacrifice these things because of their sin. That it was not God's heart to do those things, but because there was a sin, there had to be a price that was paid, and that's what we see that sacrifice is in the Old Testament and we can focus on sacrifice, and, and the world might look at it and say, it's dark, it's gross, how can Christians believe and worship a God that would call them to do that type of thing? Um, but we look at the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus made, and through the sacrifice of Jesus, you and I can have life, that we can worship God in this place. We can have freedom from our guilt, from our shame, from our sin, from the enemy, because of the sacrifice of Jesus. So as we are here today, I pray that as we worship through the teaching of God's word, that you would be able to sacrifice yourself today, to lay down the things that you bring into this place, that you are holding on to, the place where your hope is put in, the place that you are putting above God, that you are holding as an idol. I pray that as we study God's word today, that you would be able to sacrifice those things to God, to lay them down and worship for God, and that you would trust and be obedient to what he has for you, okay? So we're going to focus on the sacrificial life of Abraham, which ultimately points us to the sacrifice of Jesus. So Genesis chapter 17, we're going to pick up kind of where we left off um, Abraham at this, at this point, um, he is 99 years old. So this is about 24 years after God had promised him a son. God had promised to make him father of many nations, right? Uh, I'm guessing I can call on some of you and you could come up here and do the Father Abraham dance and song. Um, and, and 24 years later, Abraham still does not have the son that God promised him. 
He still does not have that blessing. Um, but God shows up and he um, changes Abram's name to Abraham. And he tells him that, again, he'll be the father of many nations. He tells him again that kings shall come from him and that his descendants shall be a blessing to the world and that Abraham and his descendants will inherit the land that he traveled to when he trusted God, right? And so there's this promise again in Genesis 17, verse 9 and 10. We see, And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. And then we skip ahead to verse 26. That very day Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised. And all the men of his house, those born in the house and those bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. What a party. (laughs) All right. Could you imagine if you were a, a, a servant or a member of um, Abraham's household, and he was like, hey, guys, come on, I got, we got to go do something. They're like, okay, master, you know, whatever, and then get some scissors or something. I don't really know how it happens, um, <laughs> but you get, you get the snips, and, uh, and Ishmael goes, and, and he does it, and th- at this point, Ishmael's a teenager, um, and so that's real awkward. That's, you know, you have to deal with uh, puberty and hormones, and now this, um, but we see that there is an um, obedience that comes from Abraham and from all of his men of his house, even if they didn't have a say. But Abraham is obedient to what God asks of him. God offers this promise again. God, uh, God says, Abraham, I will bless you and I will make you a father of many generations. Now, go do this. This is the covenant that we're going to make. This is going to be a covenant between me and it's going to be a covenant between you and your family. Get circumcised. And Abraham does it. Abraham is obedient, even though it was uh, not a fun thing to be obedient about. But we see that Abraham passes the test. Because Abraham trusted God, and he trusted that if he was obedient to what God asked him to do, that God would then bless him, that there would be something so much better in store for Abraham if He was obedient to God. Genesis chapter 21, we skip forward and we see that because Abraham was obedient, that God uh, fulfills his end of the bargain. Verse 21, or chapter 21, verse 1, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. So now we see that Abraham has two sons, but he has the son that God promised. He has the son that will be a blessing because he remained obedient and he passed the tests that God had given him. I think um, often we don't like thinking that God tests us, right? I think we believe or have this feeling that if God is testing us, that's mean, that he's wanting us to fail. But, but I do want to make a distinction that there's a difference between testing and tempting, 
right? That, that God tests us, and when God tests us, he is asking us to step out boldly in faith and be obedient and be faithful to what he is asking us to do. If God is testing you, he's never going to test you to see if you will fall into sin. Because that is temptation, and that comes from the enemy. We see that the enemy tempted Jesus three times when Jesus was praying. Before Jesus' ministry got started, the enemy tempted him three times. He was asking Jesus to fall into sin. If your test has to do with sin, that's not a test from God. That's temptation from the enemy. But with God, when he tests us, he is testing us to see, will you trust me here? Will you be obedient? Will you believe that what I am saying is true and that I have your best interest in mind? Because that is how God tests us. Because when God tests us, if we pass the test, God blesses us. God provides for us. If we step out in obedience and faith to God, God is going to provide for us what he has promised. And so we see that God provides for Abraham that Abraham passed the test. He and his entire house got circumcised, and God said, here you go, here is your son that I have promised you, Isaac. And then we see that there's another test in Genesis chapter 22. Verse number one. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. God provided the son that he had promised. God blessed Abraham and Sarah with Isaac. And now he's calling Abraham to sacrifice that son, to sacrifice that blessing that he's given him? God, this doesn't make sense. This does not make sense in multiple ways. It does not make sense that God would ask Abraham to kill his son that God promised. God, if you promised this and you were going to make a generation out of it, and now you're telling me to do something that would make that impossible, that doesn't make sense, God. And God, um, not only that, but isn't murder wrong? Throughout the Old Testament, we see that murder is wrong, that God condemns murder with Noah in earlier in the book of Genesis. And we see later on in Scripture that there is a group of people that worship the false, false god Molech, and they would actually sacrifice their children to receive a blessing from this false god. And God condemns them. And God tell, tells Israel, do not do this. Do not fall into the customs. Do not fall into the traditions of these people. Do not sacrifice your children. But here he's telling Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, his only son, the one true son, the blessing of a son. And when I hear Christians preach this, uh, this message, if you know the outcome of this story, um, you know, good for you. You know that people usually preach this and they say, well, you know, Abraham trusted God. Abraham knew that God was faithful. Abraham knew that God was right. And I'm not saying any of that is true, but I think a lot of times we make it seem like Abraham wasn't scared, like Abraham wasn't angry, like Abraham didn't have the emotions that us as humans have. 
We think that Abraham just marched on up to the top of this hill and said, Isaac, go ahead, buddy, lay down. It's going to be okay. Now let me grab my knife. Let me do what God has called me to do. Um, but I imagine that Abraham was probably distraught. That Abraham probably was angry with God. That Abraham probably was confused because this was his son. And it says in Scripture, the one whom he loved, the one that he waited for, the one that he did not have and bear as a child until he was 100 years old. And I imagine that Abraham was looking at God and saying, God, this just doesn't make sense. How are you going to fulfill your promises, God, if you would have me do this? And God says, take Isaac, slay him, and worship me. This is, this is difficult to take. Are you encouraged this morning? <laughs> but what we know is that when God is testing us, when God is calling us to step out in obedience, when God is calling us to have the faith that's not easy, it's often not going to make sense. It's not going to come with every single detail. You're not going to be able to see the roadmap that gets you to the end of the story. A lot of times when God calls us to step out in faith, it means that we actually have to have faith. It doesn't mean God is calling us to step out in faith and then we use our logic to help us get there. But when God is calling you to be obedient, oftentimes what God wants is just our yes. God isn't wanting us to know every detail. God is hoping, God is wanting us to say that, God, I trust you, I believe you, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I am yours, all of my possessions are yours, my family is yours, my job is yours, my pride is yours, my shame is yours. God is wanting us to say yes and to trust him. Verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and his son Isaac, <clears throat> and his son Isaac, period, you know, that's end of the sentence. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, his servants, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Abraham and his servants and his son Isaac took a three-day journey. Abraham saddled up the donkey himself. He had servants that could have done that. Abraham cut the wood himself. He could have servants do that as well. But three days he was traveling, and for three days he's thinking, how is God going to work this out? But he tells his servants, stay here with the thing, stay here with the donkey. Me and my son Isaac are going to go up onto the mountain, and what are we going to do? What does it say? Worship. We are going to go up and worship and we will come again to you how's that going to happen 
we see that Abraham trusted in the promise that God had made him even though the circumstances looked unlikely. That God held on to the promise that God gave me this son Isaac. That God said generations are going to come from this son that through this child there are going to be blessings upon blessings for the world. And he trusted that God was going to work it out. And he says, we will come again to you soon. And how does he do that? How does Abraham believe that? Well, maybe he believed that God could raise Isaac from the dead. Maybe he believed that if I go up there and I sacrifice Isaac, that God will then raise him from the dead because I know that the promise is true. I know that the promise that God made is not a lie, so God's going to one way or another make this work out and Isaac's going to come down from this mountain with me. Maybe he is going to raise him from the dead. Um, I don't know. I don't know what Abraham's thought was. But I do know where Abraham's faith came from. It came from the fact that he had seen God already do miracles. Abraham's faith came from the fact that his wife and himself were not able to have kids. They were 100 years old. I think some of you are half of that age, and you can't imagine if you got pregnant right now. (laughs) Not even to mention the fact that Abraham's about to have to tell his kid hey, I'm going to sacrifice you. You lay on this altar. Can you imagine if that kid ran away? Right? Abraham ain't catching him. (laughs) He's got 85 years on him. Doesn't make sense. But the faith came from the fact that Sarah's womb was dead. That Abraham was dysfunctional and he had made mistakes and he had messed up, but God still came through. So if that was true then, I'm going to believe that it's true now, that God is still going to come through in this situation. Even though it seems unlikely, it does not make sense. But when God called Abraham to this final test, Abraham looked back to what he had learned the semester before. Right? Abraham looked and how God had come through. Abraham studied the character of God and who he was and what he had done in his life, and that's what he remembered. When we show up to take the test, I hope that you have studied for that test. Because when we are asked to be obedient, and we are asked to step out in faith for God, if you can't look back to a time where you can see that God was faithful before, you're probably not going to step out in faith. If you have not passed a previous test, if you have never stepped out in faith and seen that God provided in that situation, it's going to be hard for you to step out in faith when God asks you to do it again. Verse 6, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife, So they both went, both of them together. He gave Isaac the wood, and Isaac was carrying the wood up the mountain himself. Abraham took the knife. He took the fire. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And Isaac said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but 
where's the lamb? Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said this, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. That Isaac, walking up the hill, carrying the wood that he was going to be laid on to be sacrificed, is walking up the hill, looks around, and says, we don't have a lamb. We do not have an animal that we are going to sacrifice. And he asks Abraham, and what does Abraham do? Abraham does the only thing that he can do. He doesn't have an answer. He doesn't know where the lamb is. He doesn't know where it's going to come from. But he leans in and he trusts the promises of God. He doesn't trust his own logic or intellect or beliefs. But Abraham trusts in what God has said. Verse 9, when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. The sacrifice is prepared. The person that Abraham loves more than anyone else in the world is laid down on the altar. Abraham picks up the knife and is ready to slaughter his son. It's just, it's crazy. It doesn't make sense. But we see that Abraham passes the final. He passes this final test without understanding why. He does what God asks him to do. And God says, Abraham, I know that you love me because I have tested it, I have seen it, and I have experienced it, that you have submitted before me, you have laid down your son, you have given him to me, and you have laid him down on the altar. The thing that Abraham loved most, God was taking away from him. Doesn't make sense. However, I think there are some things that we have in our life where we love them more than we love God. There are things in our lives that we put our hope in. There are things in our lives that we hold on to with white knuckles because we don't want to let them go because we care about these things so much. And God, I know that you may be calling me to let go of these things or to get rid of these things, but God, I just can't because I love this thing too much. And God, I believe, is saying, lay it down. Whatever it is that you are holding above him, whatever you have as an idol in your life, that maybe it is a sin and maybe it's a good thing. Maybe your children are your idol and you don't need to lay them down on an altar and kill them, but metaphorically what you need to do is you need to lay them down before God and say, God, they are yours and I'm going to trust you with them. So I'm going to lay my children down before you and not find my hope in my kids because they cannot supply you with the love, with the hope, with the things that you think you need from them. And if that is your spouse, if your spouse is your God, guess what? Your spouse is a crummy God and they're not going to fulfill the things that you need from them. Only God can provide those things for you. 
And if it's your job and you find your hope in your job, in the success of this life, I believe that God is saying, lay your job down at my feet and put it to death and let me be the one who provides for you, not that job. What is your Isaac? What is the thing that God is calling you to sacrifice and get rid of today? Are you holding on to something that God is calling you to let go of? So Abraham, with the knife in his hand, raised above his head, ready to kill his son, the one that he loves, his only son, true son, legitimate son, he's ready to kill him. And then verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, I don't know what the Guinness Book World Records fastest knife drop is. I believe Abraham holds the record. Abraham said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide Jehovah Jireh. And as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Abraham passes the final, but God provided. We see over and over again, when we step out in faith, when we are obedient, even when it doesn't make sense in our lives, when we lay down the things and we stop finding our joy, our contentment, our happiness in those things, God will provide that joy and contentment and happiness within us through his spirit and through himself. God is going to provide everything that you need and desire. And let me tell you, it's not coming from that thing that you're holding on to. It's not coming from your Isaac, but it comes from the Lord. So when we submit to God, things are going to work out for our good. They're going to work out for God's glory. They're going to work out in ways that we could have never imagined because his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So what is God asking you to lay down? Where are you seeking your joy and your contentment that is not the Lord? God wants to know that he has your heart. Does God have your heart? So we know that there was another sacrifice that took place many years after this. And it is a perfect parallel to the story of Abraham and Isaac. And uh, I'm going to read a passage from uh, the Jesus Storybook Bible. Um, it's a, a, a kid's Bible with pictures. It's my go-to. Um, I'm just kidding. These are Alex's notes. <laughs> it's true. All right. <laughs> I want to read this, and uh, it's so good. And as they sat there on the mountaintop, watching the embers of the fire die in the cool air night, the stars of, of, above them sparkling in the velvet sky, 
God helped Abraham and Isaac understand something. God wanted his people to live, not die. God wanted to rescue his people, not punish them. But they must trust him. One day someone will be born into your family, God promised them, and he will bring happiness to the whole world. God was getting ready to give the whole world a wonderful present. It would be God's way to tell his people, I love you. And many years later, another son would climb another hill, carrying wood on his back. Like Isaac, he would trust his father and do what his father asked. He wouldn't struggle or run away. Who was he? He was God's son, his only son, the son that he loved. He was the Lamb of God. Jesus would carry his cross up the hill of Golgotha, and Jesus would lay on that wood and outstretch his arm and be the sacrifice that his Father called him to be, that he would be the Lamb that God provided. And in that moment, again, it didn't make sense. Nothing made sense when Jesus was put in the tomb and died. And instead of a ram, God provided his son. But he was a sacrifice for us. And because of that sacrifice, because of the obedience and the faith that Jesus had with his father, that we can now have life that we can have forgiveness, that we can be made new, we can be made clean, we can be made righteous, that we can be transformed into the image of Jesus himself through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it only comes through that sacrifice of Jesus and Christ's obedience to the Father. So let me ask you this. Do you trust God? When God is calling you to step out in obedience and faith. When God is asking you to lay down that thing that you are holding on to, do you trust him? Do you believe in the promises that God has made? That he will provide for you every little thing that you need? And do you trust Jesus? Do you trust that his sacrifice was enough for you and your guilt, your shame, your mistakes that you made are not too big to outweigh the cross? You have not lost your chance at a life with God. So where is your faith? Where is your obedience? Where is your trust? Because if it's in anything other than God, lay it down at his feet. Sacrifice it to him. Thank the Lord that he is not calling us to kill the thing that is our idol. Physically. But spiritually. Let's lay it down. Whatever it is. Whatever God is speaking to you. Let's trust him. and Be obedient to him. Let's pray. God, we... Uh, we thank you that, that you made a way for us when there was no way, that you provided the lamb 
so that it would not have to be us on that cross. Lord, we deserved it. Lord, we are unclean. We sinned against you. We are um, wretched at our core. God, you laid down the perfect sacrifice for us in Jesus. And guys, I pray that if any of you have not trusted that, if you have not taken that first step of obedience and faith and trusted that Jesus is the sacrifice that you need, that God of the universe stepped down into human flesh and died a death for you. If you haven't put your trust in that, I'm going to ask you to do that today. We say it every single week. It's the most important thing you could ever do. And if you have fears, and if you don't know how stepping out in faith is going to work, well, I just pray that you can look at the story of Abraham and know that he will provide. That life is found in Jesus and in Jesus alone. So let us lay down anything that is hindering us from worshiping him today. God, we thank you. We pray all this in your name. Amen.